3: I'm Billy, and you book a match with me—that's right, killing Look at me—I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm
0: pissed now.
1: Where to? Stephanie?
0: <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC.
2: Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host Robert Carpelles, and I am joined by a full esteemed panel and Nick Hausman. So first, Dan St Germain is here. <laughs> Dan, how are you?
0: Oh, I'm great, Robert, enjoying the carpalus era of Wrestle Roasts.
2: Yes, since I, look, since I've taken over, our numbers have skyrocketed over the last two weeks. I don't know if it's just Scott's sketchy audio or what, but people are excited. Speaking of which, uh, Scott Chaplin, how are you?
3: I'm good. Can you hear me?
2: I can, so we're already doing well. Okay. Hey guys, good, by good. the way,
0: I'm not leaving permanently. I'm just probably, I'm, I'm probably only going to be on like one Patreon a month and like two weeks a month,
2: by the way, just to clarify. Right. Yeah. But right before we get on Dan's like I, I'm leaving, but I'm going to still be on twice a month, which is, you know, uh, pretty damn reliable. Uh, he went once from or
0: twice a month.
2: We'll once or twice. You're doing better than Jim Ross um, in so many ways. And uh, also, yes, Nick Hausman is here. Nick, the least polarizing guest we've ever had, uh, it's a shame you came on such a quiet, uneventful week. Uh, we got
0: a houseman, baby. You know, it's like in Robert Down- in the Avengers. And it's like, well, yeah, well, we got a Hulk.
2: Well, we got a houseman. Yes. Nick Houseman yeah. is here, even though he hasn't said a word. I swear he is here.
4: I'm here. I, he's he right. He's right. I got an epidural two weeks ago. I got steroids in my spine. I may as well be uh, the Incredible Hulk. I, I got I got that special DNA going on now
0: well Hasman, you are uh the modern day Meltzer you you are hey you have basically been CM Punk's conduit since uh since since the events of uh all brawl out too
4: well so. I I have I do have a good line to his camp and have been able to to consistently source information from uh from his side but I I have other people I talk to as well obviously to try to give a more thorough uh, look at the situation, and by and large, like, people could say whatever they want about me. I don't care. Uh, my stories have all been very accurate, and if you if you follow my reporting and you follow my reporting of the situation, then in my opinion, you got a pretty accurate view of everything that's gone down. So, uh, hey, let's have at it. I, it is a busy day. I just broke some news about an hour ago. I'm happy to get into it. This is an exciting, has, interesting time. What
0: has happened, man? Tell us what
4: happened. So... Uh, Punk's not likely for this weekend. Um, like uh, like
2: on Earth or just for the show?
4: I think he I I I'm I'm I've decided.
2: Like, did he send to... you like a like a like the Chavo Guerrero text? Like the dog is in like Larry's in the garage. Uh I love you.
4: <laughs> no. Uh I'm I'm under the impression I look, I wrote the piece. No. I wrote the piece. I wrote the piece, leaving a Sliver of chance that this man could somehow arrive on Collision or All Out because it's pro wrestling, and I'm not going to have mud on my face if Tony Khan wakes up Sunday morning and says, Here's $10 million. Don't make me look like a fucking asshole. You can leave on Monday, right? Which is always a very real possibility in the world of professional wrestling, okay? But the much more realistic 99.5% uh, reality of the situation is I do not believe CM Punk is going to be at All Out or Collision this weekend. I do I'll know that he- news. I, I do. Yeah, well, I put it up on the site about an hour ago. You go check it out, Wrestling.com, H-A-U-S. What I can tell you uh, definitively is he and Tony have not talked since All In. And I have been kind of trying to keep a tab on this one day by day. Usually, what happens in situations like this with Punk and AEW, shortly after the incident goes down, Punk and Tony have some kind of detente. They text, uh, and then they decide, here's a way we'll try to move forward, and they they try to move forward. That's not happening this time. I'm not hearing about any communication between these two sides I believe that punk, I, I not believe, I know that punk found out about his suspension through his lawyer. He didn't have uh Christopher Daniels or any other person at AEW call him, let him know about the suspension. Things are frigid at the moment. And Tony Khan just got off of a media call where he was asked about this and he kind of left the door open. Like maybe punk will be there. And that's when I started to reach out to some people to be like, Hey, uh, I'm under the impression that there's very good chance Punk's not going to be there and was told explicitly, nope, I don't believe so either. Is this, now, is this from Punk's camp? Or uh, is, yeah, is... this is from people that are very close to Punk, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is from Punk's camp. Yeah, this is, this. of course, yeah, I'm trying to figure out if Punk's going to be there or not. Of course, I'm going to try to reach out to people around him, and what I'm told, yeah. what I'm told, no, I would not expect him to be at these shows this weekend, and that's what I printed, that's what I reported, and that's what's the truth that of the mean, matter right what now. What
0: does that mean? Does that mean he's he's not long for this company? Like, What's going on?
4: I said that on Monday. I said on Monday in my initial reporting, Punk's future with AEW and pro wrestling is questionable. Um, this has taken a toll, no doubt about it. It's been more than 12 months because the drip, drip, drip of the cold cabana stories came out months before that. So let's peg it at 17 months just for fun. It's been 17 months of this every day, grind, 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 story, another story, story, another story, fight, 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 something, 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 you know, everybody can relate to being in a relationship and knowing when it is time for that relationship to come to an end. Maybe it's they put the dishes back the wrong way. Maybe they slept with your best friend sometimes it's a big thing sometimes it's a little thing uh but there's always some point where something happens where you just know this is not the time anymore and I think that I my I, I have not felt like this since uh maybe late November last year when I thought punk was done then it eerily felt it feels kind of the same way right now What I think
3: is really I haven't felt is- like this oh. since high school. Yeah, so no, my feels girlfriend like high in high school broke up with me.
2: <laughs> but what's strange is, so Tony Khan, rather than just flat out saying, no, Punk's not going to be there, is like, we'll see, which makes it seem like the suspension is conditional of if Punk does X, Y, and Z, maybe we let him back, as opposed to you're suspended for X amount of weeks or you're suspended until an investigation is through. It doesn't sound like it's very concrete if that was Tony Khan's answer it makes it feel almost like it's in punk's court for him to do something to send flowers or a Mylar balloon or whatever you do when you break up with your high school girlfriend.
4: I'm under the impression, you know, that, that, you know, there's been attempt on Punk's side to make contact with Tony. And, and like I said, work it out. Like they've usually worked out situations in the past and it's just not manifesting this time right now. Um, So I, 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 I don't know what to tell you, <laughs> you know, I think it is. I think the suspension was in hindsight. Uh, I think maybe a mistake. Time will tell. But it, they put themselves in a box here where we've now suspended this guy, but we do. We are still advertising him. I mean, I'm still seeing tweets going out as of uh, less than an hour ago with his face on him on them for collision on Saturday. And they're kind of leaving this kind of. In this void where maybe, maybe there's a world where he, he, he does show up. We don't want to, we don't want to count that possibility out. Fine. Then why aren't you talking to this guy? Why is it there communication there? If you want to leave that door open, what progress are you making? What progress are you taking? What steps are you taking to making progress into that actually happening? Cause I'm not seeing, I'm seeing promoting of somebody that it, in my opinion, doesn't want to be there and is getting very little information about, you know, what is going on in this situation? It's very odd. It's a disaster
2: is, because if he doesn't yeah. show up, you're gonna have a crowd chanting for CM Punk for two
4: nights. I, I'll take it I'll take it a step further, man. You got advertisers, you got broadcast partners that are under the impression as of this moment that there's a chance this guy may be there, right? Well now, now
2: hold and, on. The all out card is an all-time great, easily one of the top five yeah. cars in the history of wrestling. The thing sells itself. CM Punk is just like the cherry on top of the uh, the Samoa Joe versus who the fuck Shane ever cares guy. Ta- Shane
4: Taylor. Shane, oh, Shane Taylor. Taylor. You put some respect on that motherfucker's name. Shane Taylor's the man. Oh, all he right? could
2: absolutely fold me up into like the trunk of yes, my car he... without issue. But
4: Yes, he could. He's a so very dangerous individual. He's...
2: So you don't
0: think he's coming back? Because we did have a game we wanted to play with you. But before no. we get to the game, before okay. we get to the game. Oh, God. Um, I wanted to ask uh, what happened on Sunday from your from just talking to CM Punk, from talking to everybody that was Dan not CM Punk's saying, camp. Sorry, CM Punk's Dan, camp.
4: Dan keeps saying like I'm talking directly to Punk and I don't no, want to overstate. Not talking talking, okay.
0: talking, talking okay. to Punk's camp, talking <laughs> just... to people within AEW. What happened? Okay. What did Larry the dog
2: say happened?
4: You know, he said things are rough. <laughs> There's that improv skill.
2: There's that best in the business. <laughs> somebody get this guy a muffin
0: take You're that welcome. scott colton You're anyway welcome. what what in your opinion happened on Saturday?
4: here so from what i could gather um and this is based on what i know and kind of what i haven't been disproven from what other people said uh punk goes into the back uh is in gorilla getting ready for his match with samoa joe uh jack perry is in the match just before punk does the line Comes back into Gorilla. Now I'm not clear if it's like there are ships in the night, or if Perry had left the Gorilla position area, and then Punk had come in, and then Perry had come back in. Regardless, at some point in this very brief period of time, these two start to awkwardly share space. It would it kind of sounds like maybe Perry was stepping to Punk to make him feel uncomfortable. Uh, Punk initiated some kind of back and forth about do you think we need to have an incident here? Uh, words were exchanged. Uh, I believe Punk pushed Perry first. Perry pushed back, punk uh, and as it was described to me, in an attempt to neutralize the situation, put Jack Perry in something of a chokehold. Um, then these two, it sounds like were busted apart by Samoa Joe and some others that were in the area. The uh, Tony Khan was in this room. Now, Brian Alvarez uh, noted these monitors fell on Tony, which nobody's disproven to me, but I was told that Tony from Tony's side does uh is saying that didn't see what actually happened. And I know people are going to say, how is that possible? Well, when you're Robert, you know, and gorilla, you're looking at monitors. You're in headsets that you may not be able to easily hear the things around you because you're listening to producers and camera people and whatnot. So Tony's sitting at the gorilla position. These guys are over his shoulder, push, push, shove, shove, kiss, kiss, cold. right? They bump into this, this area. Tony has monitors fall on him. That's when he jumps up, realizes something is going on, Doesn't know who started what. And that's why we're in the middle of this internal investigation now. Sounds like there's cameras in the area. The whole thing was captured on that. There's witnesses. There's people that are
0: cameras. We could get footage of this.
4: Yes. Wembley uh, Fightful reported that this morning that there were cameras in. Of course, it's Wembley Stadium. Huge security concerns in Wembley. So there are cameras all over that venue. So there was video of this incident. And there are eyewitness reports. And all of that is going to be weighed in whatever internal investigation is going on, I suppose. Wade
0: and Kellard. Hey Dad. Yeah.
4: Wade and Kellard indeed. And um now uh and after after all of this, Punk goes out, uh does the match with Joe. Uh Jack Perry leaves. Uh I don't want to say it was escorted because it doesn't sound to me like anybody was forced out of the building. It sounds to me like people just decided it'd be better to split. Mm-hmm. Um Punk got to his place talked security he left went and got some nondos went back to his hotel hung out with some of the boys afterwards that's that's, that's how it went huge, for me
0: huge endorsement of nondos like the free uh, publicity nondos has gotten this week is insane
4: i i knew when i had that in that piece that it was going to be something everybody was attracted to and i was happy to put it in there a little nondos love. they're great
2: well i think punk's day already started kind of rough with the whole nobody there to pick him up at the airport and he had to go take <laughs> public transportation i mean and- that's insane
0: that is insane. i don't care what AEW says that is insane no, he's
2: he's living a curb your
0: enthusiasm
2: episode right now
4: had i been on the media call had i gotten a question in on the media call this afternoon i was going to ask about the Heathrow airport story didn't get to maybe in the scrum this sunday um and for what it's worth like yeah it sounds like there were other talents that i've heard about and from in the wake of that story That were unhappy about the, the their, their travel situation To and from Heathrow for the show Especially talents that are like That have been with WWE and are used to a certain uh, Style of being treated And taken care of when, when they're out Away from their families in these kinds of Far away settings doesn't seem like uh, Some of the same white glove Service was, was given to them With AEW I think one of the
2: strangest and things now- about uh, Sorry Scott
3: well, I was going to say, doesn't AEW pay for the flights, though, whereas WWE doesn't, right? I'm not talking about overseas. Obviously, overseas, I would assume rules are different for everything. I'd want someone picking me up, too. But at least when AEW started, the big thing was we pay for people's travel, whereas WWE was not doing that.
4: No, no, no. That makes a lot of sense because I, I know that no. there's definitely a travel department where they're taking care of the flights, and there's people booking yeah. those flights. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure. I, I know with WWE, some of the guys – and women have deals that the company takes care of their flights. Uh, I don't know if that's an across the yeah, board it depends
0: thing. It uh, depends on the wrestler, I think.
4: Yeah, it's like what you can negotiate. You've been there a couple of years. I think you might get that thrown your way.
2: So I think the thing that struck me the oddest about this is this occurs in Guerrilla. Limited audience of people and the specificity of details of everything that happened. The fight itself, who was there, who broke it up, who got asked if they could go on as a replacement, whether it was the FTR bucks match or the six man tag, like the, the sieve like leaking of information that doesn't make AEW look good is kind of surprisingly how quickly, how accurately, how thoroughly all this information is coming in a fairly private insular bubble. That has to be a concern of Tony Khan and AEW because nothing about this story made anyone look good. They had 81,000 people in a stadium. They put on, a professional-looking WrestleMania-style event, and all anybody's been talking about since then is the CM Punk-Jack Perry fight, and it broke basically during the show. Like, this has to be concerning to Tony Khan.
4: I would hope so. <laughs> you know, I I feel like he's a little bit over a barrel in a lot of ways, because he's in this very tenuous situation with Warner Brothers Discovery right now where he hasn't closed the deal. Um, he hasn't got that billion-dollar bag baby. And in order to get whatever the best deal he can from Warner Brothers Discovery, he's got to keep as many valuable assets attached to the promotion as possible. And he's going to have to do anything he can to keep everything on deck of worth, including CM Punk and the Elite. And and for that reason, they're going to get what they want. And he's going to have to deal with what they want, because if he doesn't, these people have a lot of money and, and few fucks left to give. They'll just do whatever they want. And that's where we've kind of found ourselves, because going into this, there was not guardrails in place to let people know if you if you don't act a certain way or do business a certain way, there will be consequences. And since that wasn't put in place early, things have gotten to where they are.
2: Yeah, but I don't think you can say the elite for Warner Discovery moved the needle the way Punk does. I feel like Punk and Sting and Jericho, those are your big merchandise sellers outside of, I guess, you know, the MJF Adam Cole shirt. Here's, but like, here's, those are the guys here, you need.
4: Here's what I would worry about if I was Tony, again, with the deal not closed, is that sure, you're right. Are those people needle movers as they are? Maybe not to the degree they would be. But if they go over to WWE and Cody Rhodes says, Here's my the rest of the you know, rascals, right? Or whatever the, the, the radicals. The radicals. Ra- yeah, sorry, not the rascals. <laughs> Apologies. Um, the radicals, here's the rest of the radicals. Um, uh, we're extremely violent people. EVPs, you get it, and they're gonna oh, run the company. They're gonna they're gonna run WWE, and all of a sudden, the young bucks are making tenfold what they were making in AEW, and are presented as a way bigger bigger deal outside of AEW than even when they were in AEW and were centerpieces of that company. The visual of that, I think, is no good. I think the visual of that. Is worse for Tony than the cost to keep them and prevent that visual from manifesting, and that's where I think he got caught. I think if that I glad to be honest.
2: I think that clip that came out of the Bucks walking around in London and seeing the bus with Cody's picture on it for the WWE thing, and there's just apparently very little uh, advertising that was in London, signs, bunch, uh, be, bunch, bunch, bus bench ads, things like that over there. It was kind of strange that the EV goes
0: no, not in the top ten of merchandise. Sorry, I just checked that. Really? Nope. Not for AEW.
2: That is surprise. that's that's kind of surprising since he has a lot of shirts. But I think the that clip of the Bucks being kind of upset about not the not a lot of marketing going on there, all this stuff coming out with punk. What should have been high fives all around this week has really been rough. And you're going into a pay per view now that I mean we'll kind of touch on it a little bit really has absolutely no momentum in the Chicago market where I'm sure they sold a lot of these tickets under the guise of you're going to see punk. Can they
4: ask for refunds? No. Yeah. I If punks not on the card. I think there's a case to be made.
2: There's no, there's the, for, I mean, legally there's card subject to change. They, That's true. AEW can like, I remember going to a house show years ago, Steve Austin was injured and they had signs at the front that was like, Steve Austin, who was advertised will not be here. If you want a refund, we will honor that. But Chicago's a great wrestling town. They'll go see anything that's that's wrestling related. I don't think they necessarily are solely going for punk. Uh, but given the card they're starting to see, I think they're gonna be a little bit more hostile and you might get one of those crowd takeover events. Uh unless this is the 4D chess that Tony's playing, and this is all we're all being baited, and this is gonna lead to a great, you know, reveal.
4: I maybe. Uh I've I've heard Rumors. I don't even really want to kind of get into it. Maybe a, a big name comes back, you know, sooner than later. I'll leave it openly like that. So, so you're
2: confirming Riho is going to be on the show. Yeah. Rio's
4: <laughs> back. So they might they might they might have an ace up their sleeve. Or maybe not even an ace in this situation, a king, pair queens, whatever. Um the uh it's I'm I'm very interested to see how this crowd plays out. Um do they do they decide do the Chicago fans decidedly get behind punk? Because I live in Chicago and I have got it's not it's not been a thousand percent we hate or we love seeing punk. It's I would say more pro punk, but there are also people that are in Chicago that are fans of the elite. And it's not a it's not it's not one way or the other a hundred percent. And then you got FTR who's Punk's boys tagging with the Young Bucks, who are the guys who arguably are the reason he's not there um and you know that's a weird situation i, I i'll i be are there are they
0: teaming with him to
4: so they don't get booed i have no idea what's going on there i i don't know
2: it just seems like a way to not get booed that does feel like some some insurance to to protect them of look well no we're with punk's friends so we all get along and and yay But I would imagine it's going to
3: add interest to the match, and they're going to play off of that.
2: They are, but I'm also curious because it's not like (laughs) they didn't know this show. (laughs) Uh, Uh, It's not like they didn't know this show was going to happen. I'm sure they designed Chicago-specific like merchandise to sell with Punk on it, so that they're going to probably lose money on if they can't sell that. It's not like they make these That's shirts- a collector's oh, Item though. They
4: they weren't selling punk merch on Wednesday night last night in Chicago. That's what I heard. Yeah. I saw photos of it. I saw photos of the merchandise areas that didn't have any punk stuff on display. From like several people who thought I needed to know that. Thank you, everybody. You continue to send me that stuff. I'm not <laughs> complaining about it. So a lot of people who really thought I needed to know that yesterday, which was great. It,
2: it's 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 hot button stuff, but uh you know, there was a major pay per view that happened on uh on over the weekend. Uh, I can't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday. Hey, Nick, you're
0: welcome to stay.
2: Yeah, we're going to talk about I'll stick around all. here for a little bit. Yeah, I'll so stick around for a little bit. So, sure. Yes, the, the show was not just uh, what happened backstage. What was interesting is I watched the show after the fact, so I had no idea what happened but any of this other, like, scrum nonsense. So I was able to kind of watch it in this nice little bubble and enjoy, like I said at the top, overall, just high-level notes. I thought production-wise, they made that stadium look beautiful. Uh, there were no production, you know, we used to get them for production, like fuck ups for the most part. There were minor snafus, nothing really major that looked bad in what they were doing. They didn't hit the wrong music. They didn't cut to the wrong spot. They didn't miss a a key moment. The announcers for the most part were good. I mean, Jim Ross was just, I don't know what, what he was on, uh, how much blue chew was pumped into his system.
0: I love Taz. That's my
2: bitter. Jim Ross is like, he forgot he wasn't doing a Conrad podcast. At one point, when he started going, why do they all have to be gold? And then they gave a <laughs> legit, like poor Excalibur I had to give a legit answer. Uh, and overall, I, I mean, not saying anything controversial. I don't think anything was a five-star match, but boy, howdy, you got a really entertaining four-hour-plus uh, event. Uh, so we'll we'll start with the, uh, the 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 pre-show since you know I guess stuff happened on there. Uh, MJF and Adam Cole took on Aussie Open and won the Ring of Honor tag titles. Uh, to me, the biggest takeaway from this is MJF is the biggest babyface they have and the kangaroo kick is fucking over. Dan?
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was a really fun way to start the show. And, uh, you know, MJF's a genuine babyface. I- I've got nothing to add. I mean, Aussie Open has grown on me. I mean, I'm I- I just really... Like the, the, This is like the one of the best pre-shows I've ever seen in wrestling. Maybe the best pre-show I've ever seen. Probably not the best. Probably somebody would be like, oh, something else is better. But these two matches were a blast, man. Scott?
3: Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, they, you know, time went by fast. They were short matches, impactful matches that made you excited about the rest of the show. And my favorite thing about a pre-show is you get to see what everything's going to look like. And they get to see if their camera angles look right and if they need to make improvements within <laughs> a few minutes. Uh, I, I I loved it. I loved everything about this.
2: Yeah. Nick, was this you match was a blast. Oh, I'm sorry. No, oh, it, was, I'm... it
3: was a blast. Kangaroo kick was cool. Yeah. There you go, Nick. Boom.
4: Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I mean, it, my, man, you know, I want to love it. Like everybody loves it. I, don't, I hate it. I know everybody's all excited about it, but I really want a better hook coming out of that match to get me more excited about the main event. And it was just kind of like, oh, they won. And I don't really know that they moved it in. I don't know if they were trying to move the needle or trying to get more people to buy. But it was just kind of if you liked what you were getting going into the main event, you got a little more of it on the pre-show. And then off into the races we went. I don't know if it's a little dissension. Somebody did something that made the other person question somebody. I'm not saying you need to have MJF nut him, stab him and be like, I'll see you motherfucker in the main event and try and beat me now. Um, But something there to kind of make you wonder is everything on the level here? I just think you'd have gotten a little bit more intrigue uh, into the main event going into it. And it's just a little quibble I have with that one.
2: Well, we got a better hook next as it was hook versus Jack Perry. Um, my takeaway for that match was it was a hell of a lot of fun. It was a great brawl. The, the spot with the, the, the limo and the glass and Jack Perry leaning in at the time when I saw it, I was like, all right, that's a little insider-y, but whatever. Not knowing it was going to lead to a nuclear holocaust. Perry
0: wrestles like a heel, man.
2: He Perry wrestled like a heel, which was great. Uh, Hook sold well. This was the longest I think we've seen Hook get his ass kicked. And the crowd was, was super into him. Scott?
3: Yeah, I thought this match was fun. Obviously, the major part of this match is when he... Uh, Become well, he uses the limo that was supposed to pick up CM Punk and he he he, <laughs> <laughs> he does not move, uh, to Jack Perry on it. He, he does the Rob Van Dam thing, I, I loved it. He looks into the camera, he says, Real glass, cry me a river, right? Which one, don't say real glass because we're it's wrestling, we're supposed to think it's real even if it's fake, right? Um. But I didn't mind it. I, I I chuckled. Did anyone see this live uh, before they knew Punk cared?
2: Yeah, this is the only thing I to saw me, live.
3: Oh, okay. To me, it not only felt like, yes, of course, a little shot at Punk. It also just felt like a shot at everybody who's been talking about it on the internet. And so you see these guys every week, especially Punk, uh, acknowledging people in the back or people on the internet. And so I didn't see an issue with it. I just thought it was a, okay, let's keep it going thing. I will say this, um, not just that moment and obviously what happened after the match, but even during the match, I feel like uh, Jungle Boy was the star. And I miss Hook being the star, man. Hook, I mean, he's still, everybody loves him, obviously. He gets a huge pop. But holy shit, was he the star. And still, he doesn't do much of anything. But I felt like this was Jungle Boy's match, even though Hook won it.
2: And to do that in front of, I mean, going in front of 80,000 people is a totally different environment than they've ever been in for two young guys. It didn't seem to phase them. Nick, did, did you love this match?
4: Yeah. I, I I thought it was really, I, as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, sure. This is a great little pre-show brawl. I think it's awesome. It was a smart thing to put the uh, belt back on hook. I didn't even catch the real glass line. I didn't even think about it. Right. And like it, it doesn't know. I don't even know that punk saw or thought about it because it doesn't sound like until Perry got back in gorilla and like made it weird there that punk was punk cared. It's not like the altercation between him and Perry started because punk's like what the fuck, man, why'd you go out there and fucking shoot into the camera about me? Like that does not sound to me. It's not been qualified to me anyway. Like that's how it happened. Right. So Perry came out here knowing he was going to fuck with punk. And, start, and try to start something, it would seem. Which is a very dumb time to do that. Um, yeah, the match was, match was fun. Uh, I will say to the real glass thing, I, I did notice... I did, actually, I guess I did think about the real glass thing. Because I did notice in the back half of the match after the, the limo spot that Hook had a giant straight cut across his back. Where it was like, you only get that kind of cut from real glass. Like a big straight line like that. And... The danger of using real glass was, I mean, I honestly think the punk's point was made by doing what they did in that match, because like, if that's what his back looked like off that bump, if he'd have accidentally fallen through or that glass had broken a little bit differently, it would have stabbed him in the back. Uh, As Booker T pointed out, when you use real glass in wrestling, uh, you have the chance to cut yourself, bleed out, possibly die. I just think it's a real dumb hill to die on. Um, And uh i thought the match was fine it was fun it was a brawl but i did notice the big cut across hooks back and that's when i started thinking about the glass stuff
2: dan you're not on punk's payroll what'd you think of this <laughs>
4: match? <laughs> being real just being honest hey if da- hey rob if you want if you want to be in the room telling him to use the, the real glass all, all you, of a sudden
2: a jumps on robert <laughs> and starts biting him
4: you yeah. be my guest buddy oh i'm you just happy that guess. someone
2: else is here to to Take AEW to task, and it's not just me. So this is this is like this is fucking vacation time for me. I'm loving it. Uh, but uh,
0: Dan, what you think? This is, I mean, this is a real fucking hit job. This
2: whole it's this. Not, is... No, he's but Nick's not wrong. Like, yes, when you use real glass, you're inviting this to go really south really quickly. Yeah, I mean,
0: we we do get on GCW's or CCW's. I forget. It's CCW's or GCW Scott. Which is it? Both
3: GCW. Nick Gage one,
2: both. Yeah, G-C-W. GCW. and CZW both use. Well, we do uh, hate
0: glass. I mean, like, I don't know anybody who, like, likes glass. You know, I mean, it looks, it, I mean, like, there's been times, I'm sure there's glass spots I like, but there's never been a time where I'm like, oh, I really hope these guys go through fucking I glass. fucking
2: hate glass. I remember when uh we were using Str- uh, Strickland, and he was in a match, I think, for Limitless maybe or something, and he did a spot where they used a literal, like, glass window, that they brought into the ring, and he took the bump onto it, and his back was all fucking cut up. And I'm like, you're way too good of a wrestler to have to take that sort of spot. Like, they just love it. Having they thought said it that, cool. these spots are pretty good. This spot here worked, but did you have any other thoughts on the match, Dan? Or
0: No, I mean, I thought it was a really fun opener, and I mean, I just thought the whole thing was just... It almost felt like I was part of, like, you know, a play. Like, the whole in the sense of like what happened. And then like from that match to the opening match, it just feels like we were kind of like joking about like, Oh, what if they got into a fight, you know? And then they got into a fucking fight.
3: Yes. From like,
0: from like really the most tepid thing. I mean, I will say this in Jack Perry's defense and in, in, in uh hangman pages defense, like punk can dish it out, but not fucking take it at all, bro. And they have like a weird, they do have a weird thing where because Tony's not acting like a real boss, like there isn't any sort of authority as far as like, you know, like, I don't know if, I don't know. You know, I just think that everyone's kind of like figuring out turf. And that comes from not having, you know, say what you want about Vince, but Vince would be like, well, you know, here, here you are, here you are, you know, stay the fuck away from each other.
2: I mean, I I think I said this to the group. Uh, in text, and I was talking to uh, another former producer. I'm like, the problem that's happened with Punk both times is these are times where he's stuck his neck out to go talk to a young guy and give him advice. It was I tried to talk to Hangman Page. He kind of told me to fuck off. And that was what started this whole issue. I tried to talk to Jack Perry about safety. He told me to fuck off. And that's what started this issue. And I said, he should really just take a page from Triple H. Just worry about yourself say, give me the fucking belt, let me mow everybody down, and if people have a problem with it, I'm sure business will do well. He's gotten kind of slapped in the face twice now for trying to be more altruistic than he probably needs to be. That's the takeaway that I've gotten from this. That being said, CM Punk took on uh, Samoa Joe in an incident-free match that I honestly thought was a blast. Uh, The crowd was really behind Joe. Uh, and Punk and Joe had a great time doing it. They kind of did the Hogan-Rock match at one point. The announcers were selling it as fun. The crowd had a good time, and it was cool to see the Pepsi Plunge uh, finish. Scott, what did you think of this thing?
3: Oh, I was crazy about this match. I loved it. Start to finish, I thought it ruled. I thought the Hogan moments, and then only for Samoa Joe to Hulk up. I just thought it was all really, really great. CM Punk going through the side of the announce table, uh again this was like the first match of the actual card and just taking it all in seeing how cool the crowd looked seeing that they had fuck camera angles that they had a really cool um uh drone in the sky right that's what they're called drones uh uh flying around doing some cool camera angles i was just absolutely crazy about this show and even looking back i go this this match was such a highlight of the show because you just sit there for a second and go, hot damn, they did it! Hot damn, Nick! Did oh, and Samoa it? Joe walked out with a little bit of blood on his arm, and that was Jungle Boy's blood. That's a true story because Jungle Boy got cut from the glass too. All I right. noticed that. This is fucking and then, so, okay. All right, r- look he at got a little bit of Jack's blood on him.
4: Look at this. It's the it's this. It's the dumb decision that keeps on dumbing. Right. The real glass continues to be a problem. And our God, our Lord and Savior, CM Punk spook about it. And he had the best match on the card here. No, I thought, you know, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Uh, This was this was this was a match was indicative of, of the state of AEW for me. Because it was uh, a good match that I couldn't pay any attention to because of the outside drama. I, 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 I really, I, I, as me for me as a journalist, I saw Sean's report. I mean, as Punk is walking out, I'm reading. See a Punk involved in altercation with Jack Perry. I have to dive into my. Wait, network. that's when it.
2: So hold on, wait, that's when it broke. Yes, I knew it, it broke during the show. I didn't realize it broke like before the match started.
4: It, it broke as the match was starting. Yes, and so I found out about it right as the match started. And immediately had to dive into, like, fuck. Because I, I felt bad because I have a writer. uh, I believe it was Ennis McVeigh. Ennis or Nick Miller. I think it was Ennis on... uh, No, because Ennis was at the show. Nick was writing. Nick was writing up. I was like, dude, get a story about ready, about who wins the opener, Punk Joe. We'll put it on the site. He's writing at this breaks. I have to go, dude, scrap it. We have to do this other Punk post. I'll write it, and we'll include the results. But we had another piece of content ready to go. I mean, it was... It was a lot of moving around for me. It was very difficult for me to pay attention to this match just because of what I was dealing with, Um, trying to quickly figure out uh, some understanding of what was going on in this situation. Because as soon as I saw what Sean reported, I knew that no matter what happened in this match, it's not as important as what is going on punk-related-wise outside of the ring. That's the thing that the fans are going to be far more interested in.
2: Dan, what do you think of this thing?
0: I mean, my overall thought is we're going to miss Punk, man. (laughs) You know, like, we're going to miss having him around. I mean, I think people are just like, oh, everyone on the wrestling internet right now is really quick to be like, oh, just get rid of him. Get rid of him. He's been a problem. And it's like, yeah, I mean, this run hasn't been great, but he had a fantastic first year and we're going to miss talking about him, man. He's like, it's fun to have a guy like this in wrestling. I mean, I know nobody wants to like admit that, but it's fun to have some shit stir, to have a guy who like takes it too seriously in a weird way, you know, <laughs> to a guy that's also good for wrestling, who has great angles. Um, and then to another side that seems I mean, it just seems like the elite fucking do not, I don't know, wanna wanna work with this guy in any way. You know, there's no way to get this in the ring.
2: Well, who they do want to work with is uh, Kota Ibushi as Hangman and Kenny Omega team with Kota Ibushi against uh, my favorite Juice Robinson uh, as well as Jay White and uh, Takeshta uh in a six-man tag match that was very competent. Uh, it was a fine six-man tag match. Uh, Takeshita looked great. Finish was a little whatever. We're advancing a story going forward. I think You know, Scott talked about it in the preview that we wanted to just see a Kenny Omega singles match, but we were probably going to get a lot of Kenny against all three guys. We got that. Uh, This was perfectly fine. Uh, Dan, am I being too harsh on this?
0: No, I mean, I was just, you know, it was there. It was a match. I mean, you know, it, it's just, it's tough, to, you know, it suffers from the New Japan problem, right? When you see, like, a bunch of top guys in six-man matches that on the surface don't mean a lot. You just gradually don't give a shit. And, and it was a big, it was a long fucking card, man. And you forget you had three bangers in a row, you know? So, they're kind of, like, a little bit at the mercy of the, of the placement.
2: All right, Scott, what you, Would you think of this? I'm sure you're screaming and being like, you idiot, this was a great fucking match.
3: Uh, well, no, so I think, you know, spoiler alert, everything on the card to me was good to great. And this might have been uh, the the goodest match on the card, if that makes any sense. So- you know, like, what I'm saying yeah. is it might be the worst match on the card because, I mean, that other trio's ended in a title change that, you know, people got all excited about. And so... I think, yeah, had progressed the story. You got to have a a, a few cool moments. Uh, you know, Takeshita just kneeing Ibushi, uh, Bushi's head off was fantastic. The roll-up irritated the hell out of me, uh, but I do get it. But this was the match where I found out about the punk Jungle Boy thing. So as Abushi was walking out, I opened up uh, Twitter, and I saw that the fight had happened. So all of my attention... Um, was about what the fuck is going on during this match. So Scott, was checking, out House, match.
2: Scott was checking out houseofwrestling.com to hear all the <laughs> exciting news. Uh, uh, Nick?
4: That's that's kind of, Yeah, I'm glad we're having this conversation framed this way and not just like, here's how the match, because the reality is these matches were being taken in as this other thing was playing out. And much like the first match, I'm still very much in the throes of figuring out what's going on here. And I'm more thinking about how much I would have really liked to have seen Jay White and CM Punk because I really don't know that we're ever going to get it in the way that I wanted, oh, fuck, um, yeah. you know, and God, wouldn't that yeah. man, they fucking out of the gate on collision. I felt like they were doing a great job of keeping those guys close, but apart far, close, but far at the same time. I mean, anyway, we may
0: get like a retirement
2: punk event. Like I could see him doing something with and We'll see. <laughs> Dan, what I, you know, I, look, I can't wait to see Punk and Flair. I think it's going to be awesome.
0: No, I'm, I can see him like I. You dude, choke. I can see him like I can see him renting out the Chicago Stadium for his last match or something. I think it'd be awesome. And look,
4: I, I, any, I, I, I think I personally think Punk would is going to leave and do something else. The cauliflower, we cauliflower hourly club reunion thing this weekend? I don't think I've seen a smile on his face that big in quite some time. There was a real moment there for the, him. I think the last two days. um, so uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, and look, let's be honest guy wrestled one of his best friends, Samoa Joe with a world championship around his waist. Uh, as he walked out the door in front of the largest paid attendance of all time. You know, we thought last time when he won the title at all out in Chicago and then left after the, after the brawl out that like, why would he come back? What bigger moment could be there that uh, then he's leaving then... his champ. Yeah. Again, he's, he's, boys, exactly... he's leaving
2: it's... his champ. I think, I, I honestly think what, the Hunk's big takeaway from this is going to be is that he should go to a place like Impact or a small promotion and just kind of be the the guy, like teaching young talent, building cards, having fun, not having to worry about some of the politics. He got this 80,000 person send off. If he ran
0: Impact, that would be fucking awesome. Like let I him know, go run see, Impact
2: I, or run another like, <laughs> small promotion.
4: It's not happening.
2: I know it's not happening. I'm saying I think he would be happiest <laughs> in a place where they, because that's kind of what he was trying to build at Collision. It was here are guys I want to work with who I get along with. I want to put on the best show that I can with the least amount of drama. And he People
0: could. People talking were about to... that, like Tony's trying to bring Edge
2: to Collision now. Oh God, I hope not. Um, but we got the Young Bucks and FTR, uh, two of the best tag teams of all time, according to AEW having a uh, a very good match that I feel like was missing going one additional gear to really get to the epic level they wanted. I don't know if it was – not that this match had any baggage coming into it or anything, uh, but uh, it was a very, very good tag match. I don't think it was a the five-star classic people were hoping for, but maybe we were just setting the expectations too high. Scott?
3: Uh, no, man, I'll agree with you. I thought it was super fun. I thought the last – five or six minutes i was in i was in love with there there's that moment at the end of the match where uh cash has to turn around with dax is the dax one who had turns the gun, around it right? is the
2: side yeah
3: man and it's like it's because cash is on the ground and there's this moment like representative of yeah man cash cash fucked up and now you're all by yourself and now you have to lose the title it was like such a play on life and then Cash helped him, and you were like, "Oh fuck, wait! It don't gotta be that way." Tony don't care if you wave a gun, baby. Nick. And uh, and then they win, and then and then the Bucks not doing the handshake, which represents, uh, which what I like about it is it shows that they're willing to move forward with a contentious storyline, which I think is what we're gonna get at uh, all out this you know this sunday which is why they are teaming is because someone's gonna fuck that up for them because i think the bullet club is gonna be on this high roll of wow we're winning we're winning especially if you don't have punk on collision guess what they've been better than punk the whole time on collision they're the ones it's bullet club gold baby
2: should you have cash wrestling bullet club sorry uh what'd you think of this tag match
4: Man, uh, same deal, you know, as a, as a journalist, I'm looking at it and I've got this punk stuff going on. And I've kind of settled in. I'm starting to figure things out Out comes, I thought this match would be later in the show outcomes cash Wheeler. And I'm like, Oh shit, this is the other guy who's been in the news recently. We're all just it up here at once. Cause my brain is sitting here thinking, you know, who's going to win this match. I, I, I felt pretty confident that they were going to have bucks win and then wait and pull cash and Dax until they figure out what's going on in Florida uh, the last thing you want is like a bad video of of this situation from like a tra- traffic cam or something popping up and i don't know that they have all the details or whatever so i think it's reasonable to put a pause on it but no uh they are full bore um they are in and uh the FTR1 i was very surprised by that and and we're off to the races and thought the match is fine um i was a lot more preoccupied with a lot of the other things going on yet again outside the ring. Uh, as I was taking this one in,
2: Dan, what'd you think of the Bucks and FTR?
4: I mean, it's just hard to compare. You know, they
0: they they kind of hyped this up saying that they were going to have the best tag matches of all time, and and then we saw the Briscoes versus FTR. You know, and you know, you watch those matches and you're like, okay, well, those are the those are the best modern day tag team matches I've ever fucking seen. And and if, and if you like you know the elite style certainly the bucks versus, versus hangman and and omega was was fantastic um but yeah i mean it's it's kind of it suffers from being it's
2: you know it it's its own worst enemy you know well speaking of suffering by being its own worst enemy next up we got stadium stampede uh which of all the stadium stampedes this was the most recent uh it was the least fun, I think, because the other two had such great, fun, wacky moments. And we just saw Blood and Guts involving Blackpool Combat Club. This just felt like another version of that. They were just kind of brawling all over the place. I think your one big comedy spot was Sue's van uh, showing up. And then the the moment where uh, Moxley had a bunch of spears sticking out of his head. Otherwise, it just kind of felt like a crazy, long, violent match, which is fine but isn't really what you've come to expect from from a stadium stampede uh, match. Dan, what did you think of stadium stampede? I know you have some strong thoughts on this one.
0: I don't really have any. I mean, it was kind of like the opposite of strong thoughts. I just thought, you know, how many matches were no DQ? I mean, there was a lot, right? I mean, so I just started getting lost in the fact that there was like, I mean, at least four no DQ matches that night, and there wasn't really... Anything to differentiate them, you know. They had the casket match. They had the stadium stampede match. They had the trios match, which was no holds barred, right? I mean, it was it was just kind of it just felt like they had the jungle boy hook match. I don't know. It just felt like like one like kind of a little bit of the same. But this is why I love the main event so much because the main event was so much different than everything else that was on the show. So, yeah,
2: Nick, that's kind of quick... what I about those. Oh, sorry, what would you think of the stadium stampede, Nick?
4: I, if you like GCW, you like Deathmatch Wrestling. Uh, I, I really think that John Moxley wanted to do his best to deliver some of that on this big show and say, I brought a little of this to this historic event, a little Deathmatch Wrestling, you know. And that's what this was. It was a love letter in some ways, I think, for Moxley, like it always is for him to this art form that he loves. Uh, I, it's not necessarily for me. Uh, I'm an older man now. I don't really like watching people mutilate themselves for entertainment. It's not really my vibe anymore. Uh, There was a different time in my life where I enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, Doesn't hit me the same way. I was happy for John to get to do it. If everybody had a good time and and that audience liked it, great. Um, It was as close as you're going to get to a death match in front of 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium.
2: Scott, why does Santana have a first name now?
3: (laughs) Because he's all man now, baby. He's all on his own. I mean, I I don't know if we're going to get them as a tag team, right? Or unless we see them on collision, this seems there seems to maybe still be issue between them. Right? Was there
2: was there no fire in this match because Santana took all the gas?
3: <laughs> oh, I, um... <laughs> damn! I just got that. My bad. Uh, I I genuinely in, enjoyed the hell out of this match. Actually, after the fact, I sorry, my dog is following me around with a a squeak toy. If you can hear it. Um, but um, after the show, I noticed there were some people saying that this was their favorite match on the card. Uh, and I get that because this is a type of match for a type of person. Mm-hmm. That type of person is John Moxley. I mm-hmm. think Nick makes a great point, and it's super important. And why I love this show as a whole is because um, it did feel like – someone was insulting the show and calling it a giant indie. And it's like, no. That's what we wanted. And I think having moments that you could only have really in a match like this with the barbed door, because it's a stadium, you're going to call it stadium stampede. Uh, And I think it worked out. I think you got to see the crowd act crazy. You got to see how big everything was. Uh, The van was fun. And again, to highlight a type of wrestling that you would never see in front of the, you know, quote unquote largest paid attendance in wrestling history. And now you get that there. It was just fucking cool, man. A very cool moment. That, and, I,
4: I hated the skewers in the head. It didn't it didn't land right. And his scalp started peeling off and I had to look away. I was horrified. I will yeah, say but that.
3: didn't you love that it was in front of that many people that you go, wow, when the pictures of this are taken, it, it looks like something you'd only see at you hate using the word, but it's the only other example you have. And you go, wow, you got that.
4: Yeah. And again, if you love it, just like you said, it's for a certain type of person and they did it for that type of person and it will be the most revered that type of match for those type of people for many years to come.
2: Well, speaking of obligation matches, we got the women's title match next uh, that Tony Khan just had to get through Uh, Soraya, Tony Storm, Sheeta and Britt Baker. uh, This was... I guess my opinion, probably the least successful match on the card overall. Uh Soraya had her whole family there, which was a little odd since she's kind of been one of the heels going into it, but I get it. You're there play to what the crowd wants. Uh Tony storm seemed to be having fun with her wacky new character. And this was uh the best women's match on the card. Dan, am I right?
0: Uh I like Tony's new character a lot. I think that's, that's fun, man. Um, you know, I watched Soraya at the press conference, and I was like, oh, my God, she's such a good ambassador for this company, you know, and uh, like an ambassador for wrestling, especially in that market. So I understand, like, why they put it on her. Um, you know, it was just, you know, it was kind of, it suffered from its own booking. We didn't kind of care about this match because of how it was built. And then we saw it, and it was just a four-way, and it was, again, like, you know, kind of, you know, no no holds barred. Um but uh, yeah, it was cool to see her win that title, man. I mean, you know, like the character itself hasn't really been built up, but it's cool to see her win the title. And when you, when you like see her talk at this press conference, you're like, this is like a very likable person. And then she's not, on, you know, hopefully she's all right, but then she's not on TV on Wednesday, which is just like, it just seems like sometimes AEW snake bites itself. But, uh, you know, the match itself was fine, man. You know, it was fine.
2: Nick, do you concur?
4: Yeah, and I thought it was weird how she got a huge baby face pop, big baby face moment, and she had to cheat to win. Odd. Um, and, yeah, I, I I I was happy for her. It was a big moment. I know why they did it. I I know there's so much debate around the merits of the AEW women's division. I caught your joke about being the best women's match on the show. It was the only women's match on the show. Uh, the women in ring got less than 10 minutes on a four-hour program. Um, And it's very glaring as we head into all out and they've only got Statlander and Ruby Soho on the card that the women's division in AEW is. I, it exists to exist. It would appear at the moment that, that is about it. Um, I hope that they look at it differently, but when you have a guy like MJF and other top stars calling women bitches or tits McGee and having women lay down in your entrance, you know, and I'm not saying that that stuff is necessarily bad. If there's an equal thing on the other hey. side, Titch
0: McGee was Otis's first gimmick in NXT. <laughs> he was never, you know, it was a different time.
4: Yeah, him and Husky Harris. Um, oh. You know, it was a, uh, it it was it it, it was just a, it was a great moment. But I think in the aftermath of it, a lot of people are looking at the women's division and are being very critical of it in the wake of it. I don't think that this elevated the women's division. I thought it was a great moment and, for Saraya. In your
0: opinion, justifiably so.
4: Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, again, it had less than 10 minutes. There was very little build, as you said. Uh, it was a very odd finish. I get that it, why they did it, because it, it was a big moment for Soraya. But yeah, the women are struggling right now to to have compelling reasons to watch them. You know, they have good matches, but we're, why are they having good matches? The why is missing right now.
2: Scott, do you also hate women?
4: Mm.
3: <laughs> the, the three of us
2: are really harsh on this. I mean, just, I, I love, love women. Them.
3: No, no, this I just, mad. I'm just no, I love them. I'm teasing. Scott, what would you think I, of this? Um, it, it's it's funny cuz I actually loved this match. I was really into it. I don't know why. Uh I think it got dark around this time and just the show's atmosphere picked up big time for me and uh well, I was going to say I, I, I became all in, but I won't say that. But I was I very involved in, 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 <laughs> in the rest of the like show. Of I show. was very involved. Yeah. And, uh, and dude, I'm telling you, the Soraya, the whole uh, – her family being there and, and Tony and her playing off of each other throughout the show, Tony hitting her mom, I just for some reason got a kick out of all of it. I did not want her winning going into this match – and then when she won, I couldn't have been happier for the moment. And I thought it was one of like the higher points of legitimately uh, one of like the coolest things I've gotten to see in wrestling, which is, you know, this this company do this thing. So, yeah, I thought it was really, really cool. I think the thing that I wish um, we would have Meanwhile, seen... I will say like Athena should have been on the show. Um, there's no excuse for the division and it is absolutely boring. And I was not looking forward to the match before it was happening.
2: Look, I think the thing we all want to see is the footage of Soraya's whole family cornering Tony Khan like the hearts and pitching how they should all be involved in storylines. That's where the money is. Uh, next up, we got the the coffin match, uh, which was Darby Allen and Sting versus Swerve and Christian. This was... A fun match. It was cool to see Sting, you know, at sixty-three years old, get to go out there in front of that crowd. Uh Swerve bumped like crazy. There was a false finish with the the coffin at one point where he stuck his hand out that looked really great. Uh, but I think to Dan's point, we'd already seen two pretty wild hardcore matches already. It's felt a little bit like uh like diminished returns, Nick.
4: I like this match a lot. This is of the hardcore matches my favorite, and maybe one of my favorite matches of the show. I'm, re- I just really like Sting right now. I really like what Sting's doing. You could tell he's having fun. He could give two shits about anything going on around him that is fucking distracting or dramatic. He could care less. He goes out there. He has fun with Darby Allen. He got the big WCW entrance. Is funny.
0: He has such PTSD from wrestling. He doesn't even notice. This. Yeah, he doesn't
4: give a shit. He's just like, whatever, man. You couldn't be any worse to me than anybody else. Don't worry about it, brother. He is <laughs> so into it right now. He loves it. He's vibing. I think Darby looked great here. Uh, I thought this was a wonderful chance for Christian to get on the card and show what he can do. Um, Swerve, Swerve looked good. I had moments where I was sitting there just like watching. I was like, Shit, man! Swerve Strickland's in the ring with Sting right now, and looking good, right? And people are into it. And so I thought a lot of this match worked. Uh, it doesn't look like anybody got really hurt, and I, I, I enjoyed this one. This one was a fun one for me. I,
3: I got, I, I paid attention. I got into this one. Scott, did you dig this thing? Oh, baby, I loved it. I was absolutely crazy about this match. This isn't a hardcore match. It's a coffin. Man, it's a totally different thing. It feels like it's in a different universe. I just love the hell out of this. This is maybe my favorite coffin match ever. I was just crazy. Sting got like maybe the most wrestling time he's ever gotten, and you do it for this. Swerve looked like the shit. Christian has just been on a roll to the point where we are thrilled to see Christian wrestle. Who would have know, right? At least the three of us guys who are usually on this podcast. Um, And Darby's a star, man. Dar- and Darby and Sting together. What a what a cool cool thing! Yeah, I love this. Damn, is this a this again? Game and this game. made this feel like a big big show. Yeah,
0: it was fun. <laughs> you know, like this this match, I, I I thought was was super fun, man. You know, it was uh, it was kind of just you know, I mean, I was really terrified about Joker Sting, honestly, looking up to it. I thought there was gonna be like all this weird chicanery. But, uh, you know, it just turned out to be a fun Texas Tornado match. And Darby's really good in the ring. And can we just say outside of this match, Christian Cage has the best gimmick in wrestling right now. Whatever the fuck he's doing, which is just like guy who hates his kid and hates wrestling, it's so fucking funny. Especially now that we don't have MJF. You know, MJF as as this killer heel. Um, And we have Dom who's like getting real heat. But Christian just being like mean – it's It's fucking hilarious, man. It's like
3: genuinely funny. Have you seen some of that Scott? Dan. it's Dan. It's my favorite thing and and I saw someone tweet and I just need Christian to say this uh he was it's christian out there and he's like you know aew doesn't need a a locker room leader it needs a father (laughs) it's christian (laughs) like acting like he's aew's father would be the funniest thing in the world (laughs) and like trying to guide everybody and like walk up to them and tell them they're not allowed to do things and fuck (laughs) that would be funny Uh, dude
0: i think you don't take that title off ludosaurus for a while for a while
3: well Darby's but Darby has to win this weekend, right? And then dude. Yeah, but what's it just feels like what's going on? Well
0: we want um, to see
3: Christian talk shit to I feel fans. like there's a lot of plan to change, you know.
0: You're starting to I'm starting to lose you, but I mean Christian Christian Cage, man, his gimmick this past week of just being like, You've got a dead dad, well, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it's just the greatest gimmick ever. It makes no sense. I love it.
2: It's awesome. Makes no sense. What's also awesome and makes no sense is Will Osprey against Chris Jericho because Will Osprey is the best fucking wrestler in AEW, and I don't know when we're actually going to get a chance to see him again. And I think that's the thing that made me kind of sad about this because Osprey got a match out of Jericho far above and beyond anything I think we were expecting going into this. Uh, it worked really really well it was fun in spite of the sammy interference and don callis who did not need to be part of this at all interference it's kind of like when you had savage steamboat at wrestlemania 3 and you kind of forget that george the animal steel was part of it Mm -hmm. that's kind of what don callis was here this was a blast i was really happy for osprey to get that moment in front of that crowd uh this was Really, really great. Scott, I know you don't like Will Ospreay, but did this turn you around a little bit?
3: I called it. I told you guys this was gonna be great. I loved it. Um look, obviously, yeah, I would have wanted to see Ospreay versus a guy who could go a little harder than Chris Jericho, but at the end of the day, it's fucking Chris Jericho. He's one of the biggest stars ever. This was uh, their biggest stage ever. And now they're got they're, you know, a guy who's not signed with the company, but they're obviously praying to the heavens uh either signs with them when when you know he can or they're hoping that this continues to build the new japan relationship even though that enoki show looks like they're only getting one or two guys um yeah i would i love this man this was and and this was another moment where you you know you you take yourself out of the business part of it And you go, wow, it doesn't really make sense to have Will Ospreay there if he's not a contracted guy, right? Why would you push a non-contracted guy? But then you see the moment they gave wrestling. I mean, at the end of the day, Will Ospreay is the best professional wrestler in the world, no matter where he's signed. The show is in the UK. This wrestling company said, hey, if we're going to be in the UK, we need the best professional wrestler in the world, no matter where the fuck he's from. And they got him. Uh, That's a Tony Khan thing, and I've never seen anybody else do that. And yeah, we can laugh about it, but we also got to give him credit because we get to have that.
2: Nick, did they boo Jericho because uh, the UK loves Osprey <laughs> or because they heard Jericho sing?
4: Yeah, I wanted to talk about that performance. <laughs> oh um, God, my oh, wife, God. my wife is a has a master's in music. She's an opera singer. Oh God, and is very critical of musicians.
0: She killed herself
4: after watching. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this was a
4: difficult she was in the room it was difficult to get through that opening uh for her and i i would have done a backing track personally but we got what we got the man could say he did it i suppose it was it was a great match i thought yeah will osprey once in a lifetime performer definitely came across that way um big moment at the end agree with everything you say It made me wonder what is next for him if there's a next for him? Because he came across like an absolute rock star in the end because of this thing.
2: Dan, what'd you think of this sucker?
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought Ospreay was the biggest baby face in wrestling a week ago when he cut that final go home promo on Dynamite. And I, I thought this was fantastic. You know, was it like, you know, the greatest match i have ever seen? No. But I mean, this is the first time I was like, man, Jericho's fifty-two or fifty-one or whatever, and he's able to do this that's pretty fucking it's pretty fucking incredible um they need to sign will osprey they need to sign that him before wwe does they need to give him a lot of money uh and they need to not fuck him up because that could be a huge star for them um mm-hmm. so yeah i enjoyed this match a lot
2: we get the uh the acclaimed and badass billy gunn winning the trios titles from house of black Really cool entrance for for House of Black, acclaimed super over. This was kind of your 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 let me up match between the Jericho match and the main event, but this was a fun six man tag. I think the way that they presented Brody King, he looked like a monster in there. Billy Gunn had a couple of moments to really shine. They made the most of it on Dynamite, so the trio's titles at least feel important. They followed through with what happened on on over the weekend to to Wednesday and uh yeah, this was this was totally fine. Dan.
0: I don't really remember much of the match, honestly. Um, but uh I, I just remember thinking about the story that the acclaimed have to win and they won. And it, it seemed a little bit like an afterthought, but we had just, you know, kind of had this match where we exerted all this energy, and we're gonna have a main event where we're gonna exert all this energy. So I kind of get it. Um, but uh Hey, is that Brody King thing true, Nick? That he, like, punches his hand backstage? Or is that, like, another one of the weird, like, folk wars that's coming from this fight?
4: I haven't specifically verified the punch of the wall. I do know he was uh, passionate uh, uh, about what was going on. I'll leave it at that. Brody um, King also doesn't can-
2: necessarily know his own strength. Uh, years ago, when I was doing a pre-tape with him and MJF, uh, he was supposed to shove mjf into a wall and he put him through the drywall of the studio that we were filming in and then we had to flee cuz we didn't have money to pay for the patching up the hole but he smashed max's head through drywall not even trying to do so so brody king is a scary scary strong man sorry scott
3: damn well yeah no i uh, i love that match I, I just thought it was an easy simple trios um on any other day i would say keep it on house of black because i like them and when they lose the titles like they did it makes you go oh yeah these are guys who are a bit unhappy in the company and don't want to be there so when they lose belts does that mean they are leaving and i hate that i have to feel that way it makes me want to stop uh reading the internet (laughs) but i thought the match was really fun i thought the acclaim scissoring in front of all those people made a lot of sense and 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 for that I liked it.
2: In the main event, it was MJF and Adam Cole, and um, hot damn to steal Scott's line. Uh, this was this was dope. This was a great wrestling match, but this was a great storytelling match. This was what you've gotten from some of the recent. Roman Reigns matches that where there's an epic. What's going to happen here? It kind of reminded me a little bit of the Roman Reigns Sami Zayn match because the crowd was invested in this story. They bought into what was going on. Of is Adam Cole going to really turn on Max? Is Max going to finally show that he's a piece of shit? And when they did the uh, the double pin and they restarted the match, and the crowd was just all in on this story. No pun intended. They loved it. They went home happy. I think that the story has places to go going forward. Uh it was really really smart. It was great sports entertainment storytelling as opposed to just being a great five-star match. This is the kind of thing AEW needs to keep doing to really take it to the next level. Nick, what do you think of this match?
4: Yeah, I yeah, it definitely was a ride. It was the, it was the story that they wanted to tell. They didn't deviate from it, you know, it, it, if this is the the story they that I, I think the fans of this wanted right they wanted to see a little tease but they wanted to see it ultimately end with a big hug and maybe a kiss, and that's what they got in this situation. I I thought it was very well done. Again, if if uh, for me, like I said when we were talking zero hour, I would have preferred something that's a little bit more definitive. It's the biggest show of all time, big money match. When you do big money matches, define heels, baby faces, tell the best stories. This was a very good story. I do wonder about what could have been had they decided to go firmly in one direction or another with one of these guys on this show.
2: Dan, what would you think of this match? Yeah, I mean, I thought this
0: was a blast, man. This was uh, the reason to watch the show. I thought this match, the Osprey match, and the pre-show, honestly, were the best three things on the show. Um, Yeah, go back and watch it. Um, Unfortunately, you know nobody's talking about it and uh they had a follow-up segment on dynamite that you're like ah, yikes um but but that's the
4: thing that's the thing for me about this this storyline dan is it's just like it's it's so fluid and like i i want these defined characters that are either at odds right or you're you're feeling something it's not really leading to anything it just exists Right? Like their win on the zero hour just existed. Didn't push any buys. Just existed. You're, you're, you're
0: being you
2: you're buys. being a naive, Nick. This is great because this is Mac showing he can be a baby face, a heel, a main eventer, a comedy act. And when he goes to Stanford in January, he has a beautiful reel that he can show Nick Khan of his range and versatility. Scott, what do you think of this main event?
3: Robert, what happens when he resigns? How do you figure this in your head? If I'm this negotiating like it, the contract, it's like I'm wanting your kid it. to go to the college you went to, and he just wants to be to play guitar. <laughs> oh God! He just wants to play guitar with Tony Khan, dude. He's starting a band. Believe in his band. We'll see where this shakes event, out man. in January. Yeah, no, I really, I loved, I, I love this match. Uh, he start sorry, over man? the five this more minutes. Sorry. Wait,
0: what? Isn't this contract for way longer? Isn't the whole 2024 thing that's like a myth?
3: I do not know. I do not know. I'm not sure. K-Fabe, man. K-Fabe. I I do know he comes off happy, right? Uh, To give him this moment was both of them. You know, you look at them. They're both young guys. They're both not the biggest guys. And they both just, in, in that moment, were the biggest stars in the fucking world. I mean, what an awesome main event so many moments so many callbacks the the five more minutes and then just being like no let's go to sudden death every little beat worked for me even Roderick Strong uh I was cracking up at Roderick Strong coming out no no, he's look he ain't he ain't Juice Robinson but there's these funny elements to Roderick that I enjoy that I know he knows he's doing and 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 I think some people go, Oh, it's stupid, but he's aware it's stupid, and you're supposed to kind of laugh because it's wrestling. But uh, goddamn, I love this so much. And and when this show ended and the confetti was going off, just couldn't have been happier. I again like an A plus show, everything was good to great, and then you add on the fact that it looked amazing. Visually, I was glad that it they didn't go as big as maybe you would have thought they could have or would have with the stage. And uh, the actual setup covering the ring. I liked how simple it was. Hell, next year go even simpler because it just it looks cool. All I want to see is people in wrestling. So let's do this shit. That shit was fantastic. And announcing that next year, uh, you know, it it relieves that stress of oh no, no, the Omega match we didn't get or the Danielson match we didn't get. You know, now next year we can. We'll finally get Kip Sabian versus Brian Danielson.
2: Yes, if AEW is around we'll get that next year, but now uh as our loyal listeners know, Dave Meltzer has an esteemed brother Scotty Meltzer who is a magician, comedian, performer and here when we rank shows we use Scotty Meltzer flaming bowling pin scale of 1 to 5. Nick, I don't know if you have a sibling that we can start subbing in sometimes, but uh Based on the Scotty Meltzer uh, Flaming Bowling Pin scale, Scott, we'll start with you. What do you give this one out of one to five? Scott's on mute. No, I'm right here. Sorry. uh,
3: It gets a five. It gets a five. I mean, they they could have failed just in terms of not understanding how to film a thing like that or not getting uh, people in position properly. This was a big, big to do. And they pulled it off better than, let's be honest, I mean, some Dynamites, they fuck up with the camera, like we mentioned. Yeah, we watched they Dynamite this really, week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, they pulled their shit together. And again, I was looking at this in terms of me and Dan went to the first all-in. Seeing this now, uh, it was just, yeah, man, special, awesome. Five flaming bowling pins.
2: Dan, what do you give this? I
0: would say four and a quarter. You know, like I love two of the matches and I love the pre-show, you know, and then there was a lot of, oh, this is good, this is fine, you know, and, and some good, some fine, you know, so I would do four and a quarter.
4: Nick,
2: what, what do you give this on a one to five?
4: I'll do four and a half. I'll go a little higher than that. I thought it was a very good show. I think that the outside the ring distraction stuff took away from it. I think the conversation around women's wrestling, when people look back on it, will be something that takes away a little bit. But other than that, very, very good show.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm going to go four and a half. Again, I watched this without knowing any of the outside stuff since I watched it in a bubble. Uh, nothing bad. They, they mic'd the building properly, which was my biggest concern going into this. And overall, really fun show. Kind of a shame they haven't been able to capitalize on it. It's just, it's wild to think you had your WrestleMania 3 and then coming out of it, nobody's really talking about the, uh, the, the show itself. Uh, but they did have... A a follow-up show this past week. We'll do a very abbreviated dynamite or dud because it's clear between the hurricane and people being off for uh, uh Bray Wyatt's funeral. And from what I understand, there may have been some folks out with COVID. Hey,
0: should we talk about Bray Wyatt for a well? Little I was bit. gonna
2: talk about Bray Wyatt at the at the end, unless like oh, I, I just figured yeah. let's just bookend this thing and then we'll we'll talk about Bray and then and then wrap this up. Uh, hour one of Dynamite, we got John Moxley versus Commander for some reason. Uh, we got a Bucks and FTR video package from, uh, or taped at uh, at London where they get confronted by Bullet Club Gold to realize, oh shit, we have a pay-per-view this week. We're going to start booking some matches. Uh, this sets up a an eight-man tag. So pony up those $50 now. Uh, we get Tony Storm's new crazy Marilyn Monroe character. Uh, Chris Jericho comes out for a, a promo with Sammy Guevara. There's a lot of tension there. So clearly we're going to get that's right. You guessed at them as a tag team next week against FTR, uh, as opposed to pulling the trigger on the match we thought we were going to get at the pay per view. Uh, we got a uh, a BCC promo in the back where they don't really say a lot because they just completely ignored the fact they were in a stadium stampede like three days prior. Nobody's bandaged up. Nobody's injured. Nobody's hurt. Uh, Wheeler Yuta took on Eddie Kingston for the New Japan Open Weight Title. As if you couldn't care enough. Uh, Eddie Kingston won. We got an MJF Adam Cole uh, vignette in the back where uh, from taped in London where Max is like, fuck this, I'm taking the week off. And then not to bury Tony Khan's booking or anything is like, and guess what? There's going to be a battle royal on Rampage to determine our tag title match and a tournament to determine my number one contender uh, because we just have no clue what we're doing here. Booking stuff. Uh, And then we got a Sammy Guevara, Don Callis uh, interaction in the back. Where Sammy rebuffs Don trying to groom him. Dan, what'd you think of hour one at Dynamite?
0: Um Yeah, that scene, like you I think MJF and Adam McCall are great, but that scene between them, it felt like fr- it was from Fight Forever. Yes. Like it it just felt like, oh, you're gonna do this for a couple of days, and this oh, this stipulation match will mean this thing later on. Have a good one. Um yeah, I mean I thought the Jericho Sammy step was pretty good. Everything else I thought was, you know, I don't know. I was I, I liked Eddie Kingston, Willie Reuda. I thought that was great. I that was a good match. What else happened on this hour?
2: <laughs> there you go. Uh Moxley Commander, an all-timer. Oh, uh, yeah, that was fine. You know, whatever. All right. Nick, are you as blasé about hour one of dynamite?
4: Yeah, this this week's dynamite was very weird for me. I mean, they're obviously like just so in the throes of things, just everything's moving around so quickly, you know, I this yeah, blasé would be, mm-hmm, yes.
2: Which is a tough word to use when you're trying to convince people to spend another $50 on a weekend where WWE has a pay-per-view on Peacock for essentially free. So it's
0: shock in hindsight about this being, I mean, that they're not having some sort of main event. I don't know what you do, but I just feel like having some sort of main event. And I feel like getting I, I honestly feel like getting punk in the ring against MGF is that if that's at all possible, just having punk lose Queen to MJF and that story, punk and leave.
4: I don't think that's happening. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that's not happening, brother.
2: Scott uh, you, Scott was getting
4: dynamite. What a dream. Uh, yeah. hour,
2: Scott well, what you think of hour so, one of
3: dynamite. Yeah, I'm not crazy about hour one of dynamite. Uh I actually Look, I I always liked John Moxley. I think we all slowly just stopped being so crazy about him where it was blood every week. And also, he puts him out there every week. He is like the workhorse of the company, whether we want to admit it or not, right? And so there is that feeling of, oh, Moxley again, Moxley again. So this first hour is Moxley. uh, And then it's Claudio, which is – no, it's not Claudio. Sorry, it's Wheeler. Right was also in this hour, which is uh, Moxley adjacent. You know because Blackpool Combat Club is all Moxley, and you know spoiler for hour two, I loved hour two, or, or at least parts of it. I really I liked the main event, and I am genuinely excited to see Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. But uh, it's I think mainly because of Orange Cassidy and what that looks like against John Moxley, and not so much John Moxley. And this hour felt like John Moxley. And Blackpool Combat Club and knowing that they were gonna be at the end of the show anyway I did not understand what was happening other than oh you don't have a lot of people here um and this might be fucking main event of all out is Moxley versus Cassidy and so there has to be emphasis on Blackpool Combat which eh you know unfortunate.
2: I guess that's a that's a challenging That's how I feel about hour 1. It's a challenging main event to go with, but uh, hour 2 opens with uh oh this could not be any better timing. Um hour 2 of Dynamite opens with Adam Cole and Adam Cole gets interrupted by Roderick Strong. And as if by mentioning the magnetism of electricity, that it is Roderick Strong, who basically is the human form of the movie *The Room*. Mike Lawrence is here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I felt like Brie Larson in the movie *Room* watching this. <laughs> Jeez,
2: oh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, so yeah, we get an Adam Cole promo where he gets called out by Roderick Strong who's doing this ridiculous goofy character, which is funny. And then Mike Bennett and the other guy from the kingdom, uh, Matt Taven, who nobody really cares about talking about how you were our friend and you're a leech. And I don't fucking know. Uh, We then get Chris Statlander, Sheeta, and Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir and Emmy Sakura in a six woman tag match. uh, That was, you know, to steal the joke from earlier, best women's match on this show. Uh, but it was rough. Uh, we get a Samoa Joe, Shane Taylor video package. So take my $50 right now. Uh, Don Callis and Takesta reviewing footage of Kenny Omega and highlighting all of his injuries, which was actually a pretty novel segment, all things considered. The Acclaim do a ribbon-cutting ceremony where they now have pink tag titles. And then in the main event, Orange Cassidy beats Penta and debuts his new catchphrase, I don't have a catchphrase. Scott, you were wild about hour two. Why?
3: Well, now, I wasn't wild about hour two, but I'll work my way backwards. Uh, I thought the main event was a blast. Uh, I just thought it was a lot of fun. It really picked up. I know there's some controversy controversy online because of the the Canadian destroyers. Do you remember that little thing they did towards the end where they did like three destroyers in a row to each other? And then walked around, like, uh, all fucked up. Like, whoa, like, whoa, the adrenaline made us do this to each other so many times. Like, it didn't hurt, but now it does hurt. And people were like, what the fuck? This isn't wrestling. Uh, turns wax, out it that. is. It's <laughs> Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was, again, it was towards the end of the match. Would I would, would I like it in certain matches? No. In this match, it made sense. These guys do weird, wild, wacky shit. Uh I don't know. I was just really into the main event, uh, very into the acclaims, new titles. I think it's fun. Silly makes sense for them. They were super over was happy to see. I loved the Takeshda Don Callis backstage video. Cause I thought that moment where he need a Bushi's face off, uh, at all in needed to be re-seen by everybody. Cause it's a really cool moment to show how badass Takeshta is. And again, just a cool segment that Taz used to do actually, uh, so I'm glad they brought that back. Remember, Taz would be like, let's check this out. And he would explain how they, like someone focused on a body part and shit. Anyway, loved that for Takeshita and how Don would just have Kenny's x-rays. Because of course he would. He's all up in his business and life. It's awesome. Uh, and now again, we're working backwards. I I, I consider this hour one. Samoa Joe. Uh, Shane Strickland announcement. Shane Look, Taylor. I like Shane Strickland. Shane, Shane Taylor. Taylor. I'm sorry. Oh my god! Not all Shane's are the same.
1: (laughs) You fucking (laughs) Shaneist.
3: Hey, speaking of breaking, did you see the breaking news? Where like Triple H is this true? He Business Insider is saying, uh, Triple H says that if Shane McMahon wants to be a part of the company again, he'll like leave. That's what he's telling uh, the people who bought it or whatever. Anyway, um, so yeah, Shane taylor uh i i've seen him wrestle i think he's a great wrestler i think it'll be a great match but again when we are so disheartened by by the the upcoming pay-per-view because we know punk might not be there we do not want a, a match announced with a guy who we don't see on fucking television at all it's a head scratcher and it really bums everybody out like at this but you got to go you know is this a pay-per-view of uh, You know, do we just kind of throw some dream matches together? Because guess what? You do it on some fucking dynamites and we like it. So maybe do it all out. And I don't mean Ricky Steamboat coming out of retirement.
2: Nick, what did you think of hour two?
4: Um, I really liked that the acclaimed are getting back to doing in-ring segments. I think they're so great in this. They fell off there for a while. They just weren't on TV. And uh, I don't know why. They're such a great act. Uh, I'm... Equally with Scott in that I did not really want to see House of Black lose these titles, um, but it was a good, if you're going to do it, it was a good moment. Really enjoyed that. Um, Adam Cole, Kingdom stuff I thought was great. I think Roderick Strong is my favorite character in all of AEW. I think he is a well-rounded, complicated individual. I think he's funny, right? Cause he's what yes,
3: he's funny. Right. He's funny. He's funny. And he's like, funny. He,
4: right. Yeah. But there's like, you know, he's also kind of getting picked on. There's like emotional tear. I think I thought I was happy to see Taven and Bennett getting screen time. I love those guys. I wish everyone at AEW would stop yelling their fucking promos. That's a thought. Um, But I really thought this was a great segment uh, with Cole and the Taven. I, I really love what Roderick Strong is doing right now. And um, yeah, the acclaimed stuff was good. And Orange Cassidy's show closing promo, that was a that was a banger. That'll be that'll be one that's in the books for a while. People talk about that one.
2: Speaking of bangers, Dan, what'd you think of Dynamite Hour two? I think you guys have like
0: amnesia or something. Because I mean, like that was uh, did we watch from different TVs, folks? Because last night, what I watched was. Some of the most baffling. I thought Orange Cassidy promos. I like. I like the slogan. I don't have a catchphrase. I think that's. I, I like that is. too. I like that a lot. But yeah, I
1: like when he remembers what his character is.
0: Yeah, but the delivery up top, I thought was like, I'm like, what is this? What is this whole? What is this whole thing? And, um, and then like earlier in the night, I just think that like Matt Taven's a fucking, it's a bummer man. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I just think he's a real rough promo, and uh, I don't buy it. And the rotary Strong thing, I can see why people think it's funny, but it's also like, I don't know, it's, it's just like supposed to be your main event angle. Like, this doesn't feel like the main event angle when these guys are in it. It feels like, like you finally got Adam Cole to the point where he was like, you know, in the main event, and we had kind of gotten rid of all that fucking terrible Jericho feud, and now we're like laying him down with this shit. It's just, it just seems so
2: crazy to me. But it was crucial (laughs) for Roderick Strong to declare himself in the tournament. Like Michael Scott declaring bankruptcy is apparently the only way you can qualify for this match. Uh, so I can't wait to see Roderick Strong MJF on paper. Tony
0: knows like how friendships
2: work, you know. So I think, like, yeah, you pay them money (laughs) and then you hire them, and then they're your friend.
4: Can we talk real quick? Can we have just real quick? And I'm going to say a spoiler here for everybody on the show. Spoiler alert! Can I do that? Can I? Can I talk about spoilers? It
2: Are you spoiling Rampage? Because there's like one guy who listens to the show who will be very pissed off.
4: There is. It is a yeah. Rampage based spoiler. Then, yes. then, if
2: you're the do one it. guy, do it. Sorry.
4: All right. Spoiler, and I apologize to the gentleman, but it is cogent to the conversation. Dark Order wins the ROH yeah. tag yeah. title battle royal. Wait, what? Dark yeah, Water. I don't
3: get that at all. So, what, what, how is it not Taven and Bennett? How and the, the fuck is... is
4: it not Taven and yeah. Bennett? Is a great question, Scott. After I have an doing... answer.
1: Oh wait, wait, what... Mike Lawrence has the inside <laughs> scoop here. <laughs> what fuck? Okay, the 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 answer is that Tony forgot that that uh, Taven and Bennett were basically doing the Dark Water angle with <laughs> Adam Cole in the Hangman page role and then just mixed them up in the actual storyline um god damn it is so baffling to me that
4: you would do this segment which i thought was okay i thought it was good i was okay good i thought i liked it i'm glad they're introducing the kingdom back into it but how you don't on a you have one week to build a show you have people here with interpersonal relationships where you can tell a story we already saw roderick strong great little foil in the main event of all in right run it back it all out. These people just set it up for you and you go with the dark order out of nowhere. I don't get it, man. A dark order versus MJF and Adam Cole.
1: Oh, I don't know. Uh,
2: I'm willing to pay double for this show. Now, uh, Mike, did you catch any of dynamite?
1: I watched the whole thing, baby.
2: Well, let's, let's hear some, uh, pearls of wisdom.
1: Yeah, man, this was, you know, yeah, that women's match, uh, it shows that they've broken the glass ceiling and they're not using real glass. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I can't want to say the thing I wrote earlier. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, man, this was this was uh not good. And and I, I do want to <laughs> preface that with I thought that Sunday was a major accomplishment, and I don't know why you would take this massive step forward in terms of professionalism, in terms of just a moment in terms of your fans feeling of victory for themselves as fans and for the company, and then just flush it away like this is, is weird to me. Um, You know, uh, I I just, the, the thing with the strong thing that made no sense to me is like, he, he hasn't been, in matches on TV and like, he can just enter himself in the tournament. then it's like, why doesn't everybody just do that? Like, why is Shane Taylor fighting for like a D level title? He can do it. Why, why is Moxley wrestling Cassidy for uh, a C level title? He can enter the tournament. If, if, if Roderick strong can just say, I'm going to be in it. And then can't everyone do that? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I think the most telling thing goals, is,
0: man, when two hands are playing with the action figures, you can't focus on what's in the pile next to you.
1: Look, Dan, as a well, fucking nerd who plays with action figures, some of us use logic and reason when we do it. Okay,
0: Oh, that's so, even better. That's
3: even nope. well. Now, wait, wait. Roderick also has a, a neck brace, so entering <laughs> it is also like. You're injured. Why are you allowed to enter a tournament? Unless... Well, we know this. This
1: company doesn't follow medical clearances. That's that makes sense. But <laughs> they just <laughs> wait. Gave unless the title, story
3: but... is, which I think the story is obvious, is that Roderick is going to be standing there in a neck brace, and MJF is going to have to decide if he's going to hurt him more, right? And so that's fun. You can't deny that. That's not a good time.
1: No, I mean, the story also is that you just gave us for free on a pre-show this tag team winning the belts, and now you expect us to pay $50 to see them defend it against Jabroni. When is
0: ending, full gear? Huh? When is this whole angle ending, full gear? Now oh, podcast. that I don't
1: know, but I just don't get why you would have done, if if the whole thing was MJF and Cole in a tag match, that's not – Worth paying for you just gave it to us for free. Like, I just don't. Well, to be fair, nothing know, man, on this
2: like, review is worth paying for.
1: No, this, 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 this I show, mean, uh, Ricky Steamboat
2: versus
0: uh, Ricky Starks is kind of fun, I guess. Yeah, but
1: I could just, Dan, faces of death videos cost 20 bucks. They're asking for an extra third.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, you're literally watching that to see a man possibly die, but like. I just think, like, my my issue with this is never has the disparity between the money Tony has and what everyone else has is more clear. Because, yeah, this just isn't a $50. Uh, I feel like this is a little bit above a battle of the belts even. Like, there's things on this that wouldn't make a, a great collision, you know? Yeah, and it's like, you don't have Punk, which, whatever, but, like, the guy who lost to him... Is it's also if Punk beat oh, why doesn't Punk have that title? None of this makes sense. None of it.
0: Isn't Punk well? Punk's basically now going to leave. Punk's leaving as AEW champion. Make no mistake about it.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's just I don't know, man. It's like in, in a shoot world, Punk is leaving champion. They did such like an incredible thing this last week that even their detractors have to admit is impressive and then to just yeah i know (laughs) but but then to just stumble so quickly after is i don't know man like watching that acclaimed segment my big thing was i thought there was going to be someone behind that podium or in the podium or something and that that was just the segment there was nothing there and then they're just gonna do a match on collision they're not even on the pay-per-view like what the fuck
2: all right. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna shift gears here to the the other uh, topic since we spent a lot of time talking about AEW. I know that we wanted since last week, while we were in the middle of recording the show, the the Bray Wyatt news broke. So we kind of just scatter shotted some immediate thoughts. Didn't really have a chance to kind of process and digest. it. Yes,
1: Robert. Let's do something no major company has done this week and give a moment to Bray Wyatt. Well, they have a little. I mean,
2: they. Eh. I think, yeah. It, Part of the I know Mike's criticism of it, uh, which is definitely fair, is that on SmackDown and Raw, they they aired the the Bray Wyatt video package, but they didn't do the old like where the guys sit down and, and talk message like, memories of that guy through the entirety of the show. Uh, can't speak to why that did or did not necessarily happen. I know a lot of people posted their stuff on their social media. They had videos and tributes and whatnot. Um it was it was still a tough – I mean, SmackDown was still a tough show to watch at the opening. Uh, the 10-bell the salute, the Bray Wyatt video package, people were – there were some raw emotions that were going on there. Uh, at the end of Monday Night Raw, uh, Becky Lynch having the the armband for, for Bray and then taking it off and, and just kind of breaking down crying. Uh, Seth Rollins came out with the the WWE title and had the Bray Wyatt faceplates on the side, which was a nice little – uh, tribute there but we did want to take some time here for everyone to kind of share their thoughts on on Bray. now we've had a little bit of a a chance to i don't know think back on this guy's career and impact in uh in wrestling i don't know if anybody feels strongly about wanting to start first
1: but i'll just kind of yeah throw the- i'll oh. i'll start first because I, I i might have to leave it a sec again sure. um yeah i mean yeah i i really did think there was going to be more um AEW and all of that uh and 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 then thinking that just made me think of how influential this guy was you know like they clearly you know wanted him to be the next undertaker and i think he was too creative for that in a way like and i i think the thing i respected the most about him and i've been thinking about this a lot and I think this is what I want of any comedian, any, you know, artist, any any filmmaker or, you know, musician is to really just take big swings. The guy never phoned it in. And when he bombed, he bombed spectacularly. And when it worked, it worked beautifully. And there was no in between. Like, I think so many people coast on being just okay. You know, like the guy that they let eulogize him on Friday. But, um, you know, but Bray, like, was so unique and had so many memorable things and like dude like some of the best wrestle crap ever is from this guy but some of the most genuine memorable moments i think in the last uh 10-15 years of the company's history are also from this guy and there's really no in between you know it's it's kind of insane right like his last match is a Mountain dew match <laughs> you know but he was a world champion. It made sense. He was a world champion. You know, the the Wyatt family, I think, in its early incarnation was the best version of him. You know, it felt like a polished presentation from day one. I mean, I did not see it in NXT, but when it came to the WWF, like, look, they they did Wayland Mercy in the nineties. This was better. And this was more, you know realized uh i think to me the height of him is to 2014 you know the match with uh brian that whole segment where brian turns on him and becomes a face you know the uh entire uh shield feud i mean it was all great fucking stuff um i think that this guy is really really important to the last 10 years of wrestling and it, it does feel like he's being forgotten a little bit. I mean, some of that is just the timing in terms of there being taped shows and stuff. Um, and, and some of it is, you know, the Terry funk of it all having to share the spotlight, but um, you know, who else fucking committed to a gimmick, the level that this guy did and everything that he did, and you know, it, and even the most, because I think that the, the, the most important thing the last thing I'll say is, even when we, like, shat on his stuff, and we all did, and it deserved to be shat on. I will not sugarcoat things and be like, oh, yeah, that that Hell in the Cell was great. It wasn't, but we were always like, yeah, but I like the guy, you know. I Yeah, this, this didn't work. That didn't work, but he tried. He made an attempt, like, and I, I think so many people don't even do that, and this guy, I think, really tried to push what wrestling could be. Not many people do that, you know. Um, some people just blade themselves every week and think that they're revolutionaries. This guy really did push the fucking envelope and put a weird juggalo face on it.
2: Well said, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Scott, you wanna
3: you wanna jump in next on this? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to go next. I think you know, the Bray Wyatt, Wyatt family character from NXT to WWE is maybe maybe the best thing. Out of WWE and yeah, the last fifteen years, I was absolutely crazy about it. I bought a fucking sheep mask at a, at a, at, an, at a live event, and and I have it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, That's in, in uh, uh, good, Scott. Scott, you're Dad, getting garbled was, oh, you're good. He,
1: he good. wore the sheep mask at Halloween. Sorry.
3: <laughs> what? but um <laughs> i thought the wyatt family promos were amazing i thought look the fiend we all know the fiend character didn't work but it was never bray wyatt it was always oh my god look at what i disagree they
0: i think the character i think some of the matches stuck but i think the character worked
3: i yeah i uh i don't know i i uh, i disagree i will say this i think the character he had thought up works. I think uh, being indestructible doesn't work. But I do think the characters he thought up worked so well. He was such a creative force that, you know, the powers that be, if you're part of a company, of course they're going to grab onto them and ruin them and make them the Mountain Dew presents because you're the guy who had a great idea that is going to sell a mask. And when people, you know... Like the, the guy who thought of Jason Voorhees, well, guess what? Now Jason's got to go to space, you know, like it wasn't the original intention. But when something <laughs> is big and it works and it's owned by a franchise, you know, when it's owned by a giant company and you got a good idea, well, guess what? Baby Yoda, bitch, you know, like it don't matter. It's uh-huh. and, and that's that's a testament to his talent is he he was such a creative force that they would take it and do what we've seen so many companies do with such great ideas which is milk the fuck out of them and confuse us but bray wyatt what a fucking wrestling mind Uh, and and that's another thing that's so unfortunate is to not have him around sitting in the back going hey what about this how about this i think that's been a detriment to to them for a while because he's been in and out for what feels like two years and then what before that it was the pandemic and so gosh it feels like you know another thing about the, the tributes that feels a little disconnected is we haven't gotten a lot of him in, in a few years because it does feel like life has just been so frantic for everybody and for obviously him and so yeah major bummer obviously him versus danielson is is some of the, some of the most fun i've ever had watching wwe him versus john cena both times when when, when he was scaring the shit out of them um, you know, with the kid in the steel cage and the kids singing for him with the Wyatt family, as well as for that WrestleMania, uh, which I think is one of the coolest WrestleMania matches ever, and just matches in general, because it is so surreal. So yeah, love me some some Bray Wyatt. And then, you know, what they did to the character. Yeah, I can't comment on that right now. Come on.
4: Uh, I have to I have to bounce here unfortunately But I did want to comment on this uh, Thank you all very much for having me on today At a wonderful time uh, Yeah Bray is one of those guys that uh, You're going to hear about for a long time That inspired wrestlers to do certain things Whether it's how they present themselves How they talk How they think uh, he, Very much like kind of that James Dean Jimi Hendrix way too young There was so much talent there That never got to be explored I think people will try to move on the kinds of energies that he started um, uh, his, his legacy will last longer than his career, just because of the way he acted. And the the whole recreation of the firefly funhouse has to be one of the best reinventions of a character in the history of WWE. It was so well done. It caught everybody off guard. It was so creative, uh, very difficult to find another time of pro wrestling. Somebody has been able to do that. Uh, and lastly, I just want to say it's really tough to watch uh, Braun Strowman and Eric Redbeard go through this again, so uh relatively close to losing uh Brody as well. Uh so and not just those two, but so many people in that that locker room and in that bubble that were so close to both of these guys. Uh it's just uh it's wild when you see two people like that that were so close and friends uh like that leave the scene just like this. It just leaves a huge hole and um my heart goes out to them. It's it's tough to watch that. Um anyway I do have to go guys. Thank you guys so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for thanks for coming on
1: I um, I mean just 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 imagine Robert if you were like watching Money Inc in 92 and you're like in 31 years from now one of them will lose their son and the other son will try to steal from poor people in Mississippi
2: <laughs> Yeah that is that is a weird juxtaposition. I think the 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 interesting thing about Bray um I think what you guys all said is is fantastic. And he's a guy who just loved pro wrestling. I and mean, if, even if you just watch that Cena WrestleMania match and all the creativity, what they came up with there, it's a it's a dude who just loved his job and loved the history of wrestling and all the fun stuff that he got to do and got away with. Uh, even his most recent return, the stuff that him and Rob Fee put together, the, the QR code and the little inserts throughout was really, really creative. And when he came back at that pay-per-view, the pop, was insane it's unfortunate that we never got to see him really capitalize on it uh but that was that was the case someone who i'm not going to say the person's name was someone i was talking to was telling me about years ago when he was first brought to do something at wwe been working on the indies for years he got brought to a wrestlemania as one of the bunnies in the costumes for for adam rose and Bray, who knew him, went up to him and was like, hey, man, so happy that you're here. This is really great. Look, we all did this. We all started. You're going to get here someday. And then a few years later, when this person did wind up making it to WWE, Bray was the first person to go up to him, remembered their conversation from Mania, gave him a big hug, and was like, I told you, man, you were going to be here. Welcome. He's that. He was that kind of guy. The, the few instances I met him, couldn't have been nicer. Couldn't have been more just open, warm and caring, very collaborative person, really great mind for the business. It's really unfortunate we never got to truly see everything he was going to be able to do. Dan, did you have anything you want to add on on Mr. Wyatt? I
0: just want to say one of the best Wrestle roast Russ jokes ever was for Mike Warrens when he said The Fiend and IRS – Two uh vastly different yet accurate portrayals of what a redneck thinks a Jew looks like.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like all the stuff uh that you know echoed. I, I don't have anything new to, to say. You know, like he uh he had an incredible match with the uh with the Shield and his stuff with Cena. at WrestleMania was a blast, and we we kind of all thought that that COVID WrestleMania was going to stink and uh he was genuinely entertaining on it and uh you know his his debut again was was amazing he had a banger theme song and he it genuinely moved merch man he's like one of the few guys who you know really moved merch not just for himself but for like you know like he gave alexa bliss that rub and then her doll you know and, and then people can be talked about you know like the matches that weren't the greatest and there were a couple of those for sure and you wonder you know you know who fucked that up but uh you know for the most part i mean he was a guy that like clearly i mean you know 36 man that's the big thing you are just like yeah so fucking young man so fucking young 36 four kids i'm glad that that shirt is you know the the proceeds are gonna go to his family um you know this just seems like a real loss to the wrestling
1: community and let me just say that the last thing is, you know, I was thinking about this like when you guys were talking, because um, I don't know how to listen. Um, is that I feel like he's a guy I really would have liked to see in an AEW, you know? Because I you know, we always say like in AEW, you really do get to be yourself. The shackles are off, good or bad. That has helped some people. That has hurt some people. But to really see his vision not in the context of trying to sell toys or shirts or Mountain Dew and just him, you know, whatever his, you know, completely, uh, you know, Tony would have given him the money and the resources to do whatever the fuck he wanted. And and
0: and we should say this too, Mike. It's like as much as we want to like talk about, well, you know, like if Wyatt feuded with – you know, he Seth. He slowed down his momentum. You know, the last person that Wyatt feuded with is L.A. Knight, who's, like, one of the bigger stars in the company now. So it's like, yeah, was the match any good? No, not really. Um, but he got him over, you know?
2: He was also the, yeah, the, the thing that like, kick-started like, Roman's title reign.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Wyatt was in AEW, he, A, would have had a more interesting presentation and an actual tribute show that's true
2: all right well let's uh let's do high spot low spot and then we can we can wrap this show up this was a uh, a, a great episode overall obviously thanks to nick hausman check out houses of wrestling i'm not gonna fucking spell it but it's his name uh dan what's your high spot low spot
0: um my uh high spot low spot uh Obviously, my last spot is Bray Wyatt and, and Terry Funk. You know, I know that was, you know, last week, but I mean those guys were fantastic.
1: We you didn't uh, think they'd still be dead a week later.
0: <laughs> yes, wrestling. Anything can happen. I mean, Bray's like the most successful supernatural wrestler since The Undertaker. And there have been so many spectacular failures in that realm. It's 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 kind of it's
1: kind of amazing. He's so good, you forget about the boogeyman, and that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: mean, low spot, definitely Bray. I mean, look, I I mean, a high spot is like, I mean, honestly, this sounds kind of corny, but having like the like Robert, Scott, and Mike in that thread to like laugh about all the dumb shit that's happening in AEW and WWE, (laughs) you know, like. The Bray stuff, look, the Bray stuff's not fun at all. You know what I mean? The uh yeah. the Terry Funk stuff's not fun. But like there is just like there is a there is like some sort of like spinal tap, sort of like just goofy Adam McKay sort of world in wrestling right now, and and Tony Khan like dodging lights and saying he wasn't there and I mean it's all just kind of goofy and you know, look, at least it's not it's not you know, it's not Benoit as kids. You know what I mean? Like so at least it's not like it's not the worst wrestling news. It's just the silliest uh it's the silliest high school gossip ever,
3: essentially.
2: Scott, which your high spot, low spot?
3: High spot's gotta be all in. Uh it was just something that I didn't think they could pull off like, uh, not that I didn't think they could pull off, you know, get that many butts into seats. Just, I did not know visually I was going to like it as much as I did that it was going to be lit so well, mic'd so well. Again, everything was good to great. No, nothing was five stars, but the fact that it looked the way it did, that shit was five stars to me. Like every match had something that made me be really excited and happy about not a company but just about watching wrestling you know and watching wrestlers get to wrestle and again it, it felt like a world of wrestling event and it made me really happy low spot obviously bray for sure bray um but i can't i can't not acknowledge that the backstage fight made everybody stop talking about all in if not that night the next day no one gave a shit about what happened at all in that night there was a recovery because i think the main event was so good that there was a recovery and everybody did realize it was a success but by monday that shit was over nobody wants to talk about all in anymore and who can blame them real fights are more interesting than fake fights no matter how good the fake fighting is and so it's just you know a major bummer and
1: a low spot yeah mike hylo my high, I, I don't know if you guys talked about it um, earlier in the show, but The Hogan Lies. No, we did that. not get oh, to yeah. that yet. Totally yeah, that's a high spot for me. I mean. What did he say again? Keep... What's that? What did he say again? I mean, it's multiple things, but the meeting Simon Cowell to do the wrestle album in 1985 after hanging out with a dying, smelly kid. He mentioned how he smelled. In Wembley Stadium, even though Hogan never didn't wrestle Wembley either in '85 or even in '92, he mentioned the kid smelled.
2: The kid had a smell that basically was the stench of death, and then and then during his match, when he looked over, the kid wasn't there because he died between meeting Hogan while on a gurney at the stadium. (laughs) And then I mean, dude, if you're
1: starting. If your best friends are Beefcake and Brian Knobs and someone's smelly to you, they're probably really smelly. <laughs> That's insane. Those those two fucking uh, slices of bologna. But no, I mean, just, it's, dude, him, you know, he did this in morning radio for years. You know, he did it in his book and now in podcast. Like, what I, what I love about it too, the high spot of it is, even when there's people that know a, even a little bit about wrestling... They're so revering, you know, reverent to him that they don't want to call him out. So they just let him lie. But the lies are so easy to disprove. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, man, I mean, I don't want him to suddenly become like a good person. It's like, you know, Flair just showed up sober and respected stewardesses. Like,
3: Uh
1: (laughs) um, and then my low, my low spot is, um, I can't defend Punk anymore. It sucks. Uh, I actually, look, I don't think, you know, I didn't talk about it. I don't think Jungle Boy should have said that, but I think that Punk should have been the adult to just let it fucking go and have the match with his fat friend. Uh, I don't think that uh, what he did was professional. I think he went out of his way to be grumpy a little bit. Um, I mean, and yeah, it's There was no way to realize how, like, to go from talking about two people, two human beings, like actual people dying on Wednesday and Thursday to talking about, you know, uh, whether or not someone was given money to take an Uber and what was it that Brody King punched, you know, like, there's so many... like you said, Daddy, silly shit that was involved in all of this. Like, I mean, the muffins are more serious than some of the stuff we were talking about this yeah. weekend. Uh it, it look, man, it's like for Punk to for them to say, oh, well, now he's not even gonna be in in on the show, he's not even gonna be in the main event against Ricky Starks. Like, you know, the other issue is that's not even a fucking main event. So <laughs> it's like For him to be there, to be causing problems, and and I don't think that he's alone in it. I think, you know, um, there's other people involved, but for him to be this much of a a controversy magnet and and a a bad influence and to not even be presenting good television is just, I don't know, man. I love the guy, but yeah, they might, they, they should just cut bait at this point because he's not even doing his job on screen. Like I, I thought the Joe match was fine, but you take it off the pay-per-view and do you really miss much? I don't think you do.
2: All right. Uh, my, my high spot, low spot. Um, I think, yeah, uh, my low spot's going to be the, the, the punk thing. Um, I think last week, Bray was my, my low spot, obviously um, the, the fact that this happened right before he went out there. Yes. I get why he was mad at, at, at Jack Perry. Want to take it out? Like the guy always talks about wanting to put business first. You jeopardized probably the biggest show this company has ever had and overshadowed moments that a lot of really talented performers, producers, everybody worked hard to to make happen. And the entire thing became about you. That really fucking sucks. Uh, my high spots, I had two. One was from a week prior. We didn't get a chance to talk about it just very briefly. On Raw, they did a Nakamura video package that was really really well done they used that was great yeah they used subtitles they really built him up they did a second one this week that continued to tell the story. I like that they're using varied media types and not just forcing Nakamura to go out there and cut a live promo obviously that's not going to be his his best you know presentation. I thought that was really good and yeah my other hard spot is you know all in Scott said it the way it was produced, the way it looked, Mike Mansuri and his team knocked it out of the park. The The show looked like a major, major event. And I was really hyped. I said, watched it with all my notifications turned off. And I was like, there was no botched exploding ring. There were no missed camera cuts. There were no things that people were going to be bitching and complaining about. And then afterwards, I found out about the punk thing. And that was a bummer. But uh, what's not a bummer is what we got for you on Patreon this weekend. Uh Dan and Scott are gonna be talking payback. Uh I'm gonna be away in Vegas, so I'm gonna record my own uh payback and raw thoughts later on for, for Patreon early next week. Uh Zach is back. So oh, can I'm, actually...
0: I'm not doing the pod as much, but I'm still doing more than Robert does.
2: That's that's true. Dan is doing and more. If than... you
1: wanna if you wanna pay back your spouse, uh just put on the pod where Robert talks by himself.
2: That is true. That will nothing will get her in the mood more than hearing me talk for 30, 40 minutes straight about Raw. Uh I am single-handedly increasing the population. Hey, in this Mike,
0: country. how long do you think Adina could get
1: through just listening to Robert
0: talk about Raw?
1: I mean, she's Jewish and I think she'd become anti Semitic within two minutes.
2: <laughs> that is that is fair. Um, I not the first time I've heard that. I uh I really yeah, Michael Hayes. I'm a yeah, that is true. <laughs> ooh, ooh, beep, beep. Uh all right. So I think let's uh let's wrap this sucker up. Uh you can follow us in all the places and and post. Dan, do you have any shows you want to plug before we uh we yes, wrap up? I
0: do. Thank you, sir. Um well this week I'm gonna be I mean I'm in New York tonight. I'm gonna be at like stand up New York and uh next week I'm doing um a show with all the like striking writers. Uh, Matt Goldage's show. Um and I'm doing like New York Comedy Club, stuff like that. But I got a lot of stuff coming up on the road, guys. Um I'm gonna be uh in Fairfield Comedy Club next month. I'm gonna be headlining the funny bone in St. Louis. Um I'm gonna be doing, you know, in October the Rogue Comedy Festival, in Newport opening for Dan Soder Comedy Club on state, and um just a, just a lot of stuff coming up. Um, I also have another Podcast: The It Couple, where me and my wife dissect a horror movie with one of our funny friends. And this coming week, we have Anthony Antamonic uh, out right now, and he talked about Resident baby. It was a lot of fun. But this coming week, we have Dolph Ziggler on, and he's going to talk Toxic Avenger with us. So it should be a blast. He's talking just... about punk. What?
2: <laughs> oh, That's a great joke. <laughs> exactly. And all funny. over it made it. Even
0: oh, worse. I tripped all over, it I'm sorry. That's it's great. fine. That's pretty good, um, and uh, currently, uh, you know, um, yeah, so come to the show, and still working on that Steve thing over PCAC. Peacock, hopefully that keeps going, and I'll be here a lot, guys, so I'm still, you know, I'm still going to be here, like, you know, twice a month or whatever, like. And yeah, no so, one actually leaves. <laughs> Look get yes. Mike, I mean, Mike comes and says this. Mike, where, where can people get paid uh, now. Yes. It's working, actually worse, it's a worse deal.
2: Let's try this again. Mike, where can people find you uh, with uh, Pete Davidson opening for you?
1: (laughs) Please don't get me fired, Robert. (laughs) Um, um, I uh, yeah, uh, I'll be on the road with him. um, Yeah. um, San Francisco on the 20th, Vegas on the 23rd. Um, Most most of his dates uh, after the 20th uh, I will be on. I'm not doing the next couple, but I should be on a few of those after, and uh, yeah, man, the shows have been fun. Um, I'm talking about autism and low sperm count, so, uh, you know, comedy by a wrestling fan for wrestling fans.
0: Oh, and dude, anyone who doesn't follow any of us on Instagram or Twitter or the, you know, follow you know, join the Facebook page or follow us. Uh, follow all of us on all the mediums, you know. Like if you haven't yet, if you haven't left a five star review in iTunes, just fucking show your support, people. Show your support of everyone on this podcast.
3: And Scott, Holy Scott, you Scott you do you have, have another listen. podcast? <laughs> I do. You can listen to out for Smokes with me, Mike Racine, and Sean McCarthy. It's a blast. It drops every Friday, so go ahead and listen to it after you listen to this.
0: Yeah, but our Patreon's good. Check it out. And before oh, please you do check out our pre-
2: Yes, and before you do any of that folks, wash your hands.